I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah, I don't wanna do your dirty work no more. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 217 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Jacob. We don't have Bryson here with us this week, and it's probably a good thing because we all three of us predicted that the Blue Jays would take both games of this series against St. Louis, and they end up splitting it. Not the end of the world, not the greatest situation to be in. Jacob, how are you? Tell you what, though, it, it was a, this was a series I think that the Blue Jays needed to take. You know, you, you're you're facing a team that's missing two of the best players in the National League. You got to take this. But you know what? I think let's be positive. One more series before the trade deadline. Still a lot you can do. You've won. You just finished a seven game win streak. I think it's still a very good time to be a Blue Jay fan. And hot stove is it's it's starting to, to get really hot. It's going to be a really interesting weekend. Yeah, the Blue Jays have still won nine of their last 11 games, and yes, they lose a seven-game winning streak, but games like this are going to happen, and if it's going to happen against anyone, I don't mind seeing it happen against legends of the game like Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols, and of course, we saw Pujols hit what I think was his 686th career home run in yesterday's game coming off of Trevor Richards. Let's start there because that's the big controversy from this series. It's John Schneider's second loss as manager, and he makes what probably is the most questionable decision of his tenure so far. He pulls Kevin Gosman in the fifth inning against St. Louis. Um, Gosman had been hit hard, didn't have his best command on either his splitter or the fastball, and um, he puts in Trevor Richards. Trevor Richards facing Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols hits a big home run, makes it 6-1, to one, and that's pretty much where the game ends up, and the Blue Jays can't get anything going against Adam Wainwright. Uh, a lot of questions over whether Schneider should have pulled Gosman in that situation, whether he should have trusted him against Pujols, let him go one more batter, or even if he should have gone to someone else in that situation. You know, instead of Trevor Richards, go with someone like David Phelps. Um... Do you disagree with the decision to pull Kevin Gosman there? Who do you think John Schneider should have gone with? And does John Schneider deserve the blame for what might be the first mistake of his managerial career in the majors? So I'll start with that last question. I think this is what we said when we said that firing Charlie Montoya wouldn't do anything because this was not solely John Schneider's decision. Like This was not predetermined before the game, but as time was going on, I'm sure analytics were saying, okay, you're facing one of the best hitters of all time. Yes, he's not at that level anymore, but you're facing a very, very good hitter. And you, quite honestly, haven't had the greatest outing. You know, four and two-thirds is what he was credited with getting out. But throughout that, you know, he did give up eight hits. The command was sort of there, like, as you mentioned, not necessarily the greatest, but he only gave up one walk and had six strikeouts. So it was just kind of a roller coaster of a start, but... I think when you sign somebody for this long of a contract and this big of a contract, I think you need to trust them to at least get out of the inning. I'm not saying he pitches after the fifth inning and goes into the sixth or anything, but I think it's fair to say that you at least give him the chance because he's earned the benefit of the doubt to at least get out of the inning, at least prove that he can finish it, you know, battle back, and even when you're struggling, still get out of it and give your team a chance to win. Because at that point, 
you know, you mentioned it was six to one after that home run. Trevor Richards, again, you know, you're looking at this. This is just, you look at him specifically, it's just been consistently a bad year for him. Now the ERA up at 559. He's only, he's had 38 games, 38 and two thirds innings. The whip is honestly quite abysmal at 150. Like it, it could be worse, could be much worse, but it's still consistently been a down season from him. And I don't necessarily know why you trust him in these situations. It almost reminds me of maybe Tanner Rourke or guys like that, where it's, yeah, he, they've had track records in the past. They've done well in the majors, but right now you cannot trust Trevor Richards. And you, you mentioned a guy like David Phelps. He easily could pitch. I know somebody like Jordan Romano, obviously it's a little early for him to pitch, but those guys are available. And, you know, you look at it, David Phelps did pitch in that game later. He pitched in the... in. I think it was the last inning, the the ninth there. He, he did pitch a full inning. He had two strikeouts. So, yeah, like, he, he could have pitched. I just, I don't know why you put one of your best relievers in kind of a throwaway situation. You know, it's late in the game. You're down by five. If you're going to make this move, you make the move then. Because right then, when it's three to one, you still have a chance to win. And it's still pretty early in the game. You still have a little bit more, less than half the game to go. I think that's when you make that move. But... To fully blame it on John Schneider, I don't necessarily think that's fair. Obviously, he's the one that makes the decision, so he's going to be the one under fire. But it's it's more of a collective team decision. But I, I think there's a lot to unpack here. I wouldn't have taken Kevin Gosman out, but if you're going to, in that inning specifically, you take him out for somebody like David Phelps or somebody like Tim Meza, who I think actually pitched in the day before. So maybe... It, maybe you don't want to pitch him two days in a row or, you know, extra, push him a little bit extra, but it wouldn't be somebody like, like Trevor Richards who you can't necessarily trust because at this point the game is still winnable, but once it's six to one, unfortunately that comeback isn't as likely. So I disagree on a couple counts. I do agree with you that it's not really John Schneider's fault. Um, we talk about how this bullpen needs improving, and we're going to get to that later in this episode, talking about the trade deadline, which is coming up quick. We've only got one episode after this one before the trade deadline on Tuesday. But um, yeah, it's not John Schneider's fault, um, kind of like it wasn't Charlie Montoyo's fault. But in this case, um, you saying that Kevin Gosman should get the end of the inning, I disagree that. With that, I think um, Kevin Gosman was getting hit hard, and yeah, you give him a lot of money, but I agree with John Schneider's philosophy on this that you would rather pull a pitcher too early rather than too late. You know, there's always the decision if if he leaves Gosman in against Pujols and the same result happens, Pujols hits a three-run bomb there. Um, the question is going to become in a post-game press conference, why'd you let Gosman pitch against Pujols? Shouldn't you have gone to the bullpen in that moment? So I understand what John Schneider is saying, and I agree with the fact that you'd rather pull a pitcher too early before the damage is done and force the bullpen to get an extra out or two instead of keeping in Gosman until it's too late, until he gives up that big blow and seeing what happens. So I agree with John Schneider on that count. Um, I also don't totally agree, disagree with the decision to go to Trevor Richards. Obviously, there are better pitchers in the Blue Jays' bullpen. And yes, this is a high leverage situation, fifth inning, couple guys on. Um, but Trevor Richards hasn't been terrible in the second half. Um, you go back to July 3rd. And his ERA since July 3rd, excluding last night's game, was 2.08. He'd given up two earned runs, struck out 15 batters, walked only five. So 
he had improved a lot since his earlier season struggles where, you know, in the month of June, he had, just looking it up now, a 6.37 FIP, an 11.25 ERA, nine strikeouts, five walks. So his month of June was terrible. Um, and we know he got injured towards the end of that. But um, I think Trevor Richard has shown signs of improvement. And I think that's why it's not totally unjustifiable to go to him in that situation. Yes, there are better pitchers that maybe should be pitching in that situation because it is higher leverage. But I don't totally disagree with it there. And Again, we go back to the fact that the Blue Jays are operating with a bullpen that is not very good in the grand scheme of things, and John Schneider doesn't have many choices. His choices are Trevor Richards, David Phelps, maybe the better choice, Tim Meza, although, yes, pitched yesterday, unavailable, etc., etc. He doesn't have that many options, and ideally in that situation, you would be going with a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour and can blow fastballs by Albert Pujols, get out of the inning, and then the Blue Jays move forward into the 6th, 7th, and 8th, and ninth with someone like Trevor Richards on the mound, with someone like David Phelps. But right now, the Blue Jays just don't have that pitcher. They don't have that guy who throws 100 miles an hour. And you see Trevor Richards missing right down the middle with a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. If that fastball is 99, Albert Pujols might not be able to catch up to it. That's why the Blue Jays need velocity out of their bullpen, and bottom line, I think that is who you have to blame in this situation. It's a roster construction, even if David Phelps maybe should have been pitching in that situation. That's, that is actually a fair argument. I think at least we have the trade deadline. You know, you do have one more series. So, I mean, you're not waiting till the trade deadline to make phone calls. But at this point, the needs of the Blue Jays are very obvious. The rotation, it's figured itself out I think it's fair to say you're not gonna go out necessarily get a fifth starter I don't really think you need to right now you can argue with certain guys but the key need for this team is a reliever and it's more of that swing and miss just blow it right guy by guys kind of like to a lesser extent the Adam Simber trade how he came in and was part of that almost just revamping of the bullpen and I think that's what's what the key need is right now and I know the Blue Jays and we'll get into this a little bit later but I know we've heard that they're pretty much in on any pitcher, starting pitcher specifically, that's available and that they believe can help them win. I think the key need here is it has to be the bullpen because that's really where things are struggling. Like, yes, when your starting rotation struggles, that's going to trickle down and the dominoes are going to fall to the relievers and everybody else on the team. But the relievers, I think, other than maybe your core of your closer, you throw in guys like Simber, Meza, David Phelps it's a little bit shaky and it's been kind of shaky all season long. And I think part of that is because there were guys that we'd expected to see this season, or at least at some point that we might not see such as guys like Nate Pearson, who, who knows at this point, unfortunately, if he's going to pitch this season, but the problem with this team and it's, that's the one consistency. Like there's the rotation struggled, but gotten better. Same thing with the offense. Defense has been good all season, but or at least consistent-ish all season. But when it comes to the bullpen, that's where you're struggling. And you even go back to days like the home opener when Barrios was was knocked out after like two-thirds of an inning or one-third of an inning, whatever it was. It was guys like Saucedo who came in and Trent Thornton, who I know has actually pitched you know better since that day, but it was guys in the bullpen coming in and just unfortunately not being able to get outs without throwing a lot of pitches that were just very easy to hit and guys were just slapping them all over the field. And that's the biggest problem. 
that's what's going to need to be changed if this team wants to make any type of contention and or push to contention at least. And they have looked better throughout the season, at least you know team wide. But you cannot go into a pennant race. I mean, or I guess with the Yankees, it's not really a pennant race, but you can't go into any type of of playoff push or World Series push or anything without a bullpen that can at least match the other team. And if if this bullpen is is still struggling now, it's it's going to need to be changed. And the tough part with relievers is it's not like you can really go out and get you know maybe an all star closer right now because you don't really need that, but. It's one of those things where you kind of just almost look at what they did last year. Go out, do your homework, do your research, get a guy that can help you. And that's, that's I think, what the key is right now is you have to go out and you have to get a reliever that maybe to a lot of people won't, won't cause your eyes to just bulge as you look at the paper. But somebody is going to need to come in here and prove that they can be trusted by, by uh, John Schneider because this bullpen... It can't be shaky for much longer, and we saw what happened last year. It was shaky for a long time, although it was partially because of injuries, but it was shaky for a while, and the team was just losing games left, right, and center. And last thing you want to do right now, especially as you've now taken a bit of a lead in the wildcard standings, the last thing you want to do is blow that and then have to play catch-up for the rest of the summer. So we're going to need to see some moves. Hopefully, you know, as as we record on Thursday, hopefully we don't wait until Tuesday or you know, Monday night, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. And is this team going to go out and get somebody before everybody else feels the urgency of, oh no, the deadlines in two hours, we need to go give up whatever we can to get these guys. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Um, in terms of urgency, I think it's interesting what we heard from Ross Atkins yesterday. He told the mail, the media that the prices are very high right now on the trade market. And he said, that's not, atypical for where the season is right now and where we are in relation to the trade market and the trade deadline we're still you know as it stands now six days away from the trade deadline and Ross Atkins said it's not normal for prices it's not um, atypical for prices to be this high this far ahead but um, that's probably why we're not seeing the Blue Jays make any moves as of yet we know they need to make moves we know they need to be proactive um, and shore up the bullpen because like we saw last night it's losing them games but I find it interesting that we haven't seen much in the way of trades although the trade that we saw go down last night might be a sign of things to come and might be a sign of the start of movement on the hot stove Andrew Benatendi being traded from the Kansas City Royals to the New York Yankees the Blue Jays were interested in Benatendi um, despite his vaccination status, we know he is unvaccinated. He didn't make the trip up to Toronto when the Royals were playing the Blue Jays right before the All-Star break. And I think at the time he had some public comments about, you know, the typical anti-vaxxer stuff, doing his own research. And um, I think he also mentioned that he wasn't totally opposed to getting vaccinated um, should the Royals or whatever team he ends up on be in the playoffs of course the Royals nowhere near the playoffs but um, I think he mentioned that he would potentially consider it towards the end of the season and what we heard um, was that I think it was Ken Rosenthal reported that the Blue Jays were interested in Benintendi and there was no discussions between the Yankees and the Royals about Benintendi's vaccination status and whether he'd be willing to be vaccinated 
There was also a report, I believe it was John Heyman who said that the expectation was that Andrew Benatendi would get vaccinated before the Yankees returned to Toronto, which is towards the end of September. Just looking at the calendar now, it's the last week of September. Looks like that the Yankees will be back in Toronto. And then, of course, whatever playoff series might happen from there, Benintendi would need to be vaccinated to play the Blue Jays in Toronto. Um, so that's probably a sign of things to come. It's probably an indication that the trade market is kicking up. I find it interesting that the Blue Jays were involved with Benintendi um, despite his vaccination status. We can assume that it has eliminated them from a lot of other teams that they might be, in, or a lot of other players they might be interested in. I think we saw this over the offseason, or at least maybe reading a little bit too much into it, but we think we saw it over the offseason with guys like Steven Matz, guys like Robbie Ray, who were, as far as we can guess, unvaccinated, um, at least with Robbie Ray, we know that he was unvaccinated because he didn't make the trip to Toronto with Seattle. And um, we know it ruled them out of some guys, but I find it interesting that they were still, according to reports, interested in Andrew Benatendi despite his vaccination status. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And I think it's interesting that he said that he would even consider that because I'm not really going to dive into that type of, of rabbit hole there, but it is interesting that he was you know, at least willing to do that because that's the key. Like if he is not vaccinated, then unfortunately he is pretty much useless to the team because he cannot play half the games. And if you're in the playoffs, obviously it doesn't really make sense because you you need players, but it's definitely going to get interesting. I think over the weekend, we'll probably see a few, most likely just minor deals. I I have a feeling it's going to be pretty quiet over the weekend. And I know I said a couple minutes ago, maybe we'll see the weekend heat up, but I have a feeling it's going to be quiet and then Monday, Tuesday, most likely Tuesday or guaranteed Tuesday, but primarily on Tuesday, it's just going to explode with with a million trades. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays are at least in on one big trade. I'm not saying who, I'm not saying what position, but I'm getting I'm getting interesting vibes from just reporters and, you know, you watch SportsNet for some reason that's the only show I watch and consistently yesterday all I could hear from guys like Ben Nicholson Smith and Shai Davidi Hazel May all of them just hinted towards the Blue Jays are in on somebody big or at least checking in they're doing their due diligence I have a feeling that they're going to make some type of big move and it could be a very interesting one it could be if it's going to be a big one I have a feeling it would be more of a starter or some type of position player like even if you go get a reliever there's which would still benefit the team. And I think that's what they need to do. I think a headlining move would be something like a Brios or something like that. Like it was, as we've seen in years past, but I think the key here, it still needs to be, don't go out and be extremely flashy for the sake of just saying now our rotation has like four or five elite starters that would help. But you know, realistically, if you're in the playoffs, you need four starters max, like that fifth starter, most likely going to go to the bullpen unless it's a seven game series that goes to seven and you're absolutely stretched thin. But I have a feeling, you know, I'm just looking here at, at interestingly enough, I'm looking at the hold leaders for major league baseball. And there's a few teams that obviously have players here. Like, you know, the brewers have guys like Devin Williams, uh, Brax, Brad Boxberger, like obviously guys like that are not going to get traded. Milwaukee's definitely not out of it yet, but looking here, you know, tigers are coming to very much in it. Like they're, yeah, exactly. No, 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 Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you're looking here, obviously a lot of the hold leaders are going to be 
from good teams, but kind of interesting. You're looking here at the Oakland Athletics. They have interesting player, you know, uh, in Zach Jackson leading or second in the league in holds. And the reason why I'm saying holds is because these are later inning guys that you can trust to just get guys out. Or you're looking at, you know, the Detroit Tigers, who I mentioned, they're coming to Toronto tonight. Michael Fulmer, interesting name, having a good season. Now, both of these guys that I just named, ERAs, with similar innings pitch to guys like Trevor Richards, ERAs low in the twos, or high, a little bit high in the twos, almost at the threes. Prices are a little bit higher for those guys, I would imagine, because obviously they're more elite, and or at least have been elite this season, and if you're the Athletics, if you're the Tigers, you know that the Blue Jays are kind of desperate for relievers or maybe desperate's a bit of a stretch but you know that they need guys and you know that they're pushing to make the playoffs you can ask for a little bit more but I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and make a move for somebody like that or you know Texas you know I'm actually no Dennis Santana I was looking at him he's you know close to top of the league in in holds but ERA is a little bit iffy there I know Texas isn't very good isn't a very good team this season but these are the guys I think who I would look. You're not going to go out and say, let's go get Josh Hader because he's a good pitcher. First of all, he plays for Milwaukee. M- Milwaukee would be dumb to trade him. <laughs> and second of all, you don't need a closer. But I think the key here is you go and get a guy that can bridge you to the guys that are already good, such as Meza, Simber. Jimmy uh, Garcia has been good all season long. I think that's fair to say. And then obviously Jordan Romano, That nothing's really going to change there. But you need that one extra guy that can bridge you from the starting pitcher to your closer, you can kind of add him to that that type of group. Those that like, I, I think it was one of you that said the circle of trust, something like that. Like you can add him to that kind of that group. I think that's what this team needs to do. But it might be it might be a very unique trade deadline. Despite what I'm saying here, we could easily see something that I, I don't think anybody's expecting. However, I think in order for even if even if none of that happens, even if they don't go get Soto, they don't go get Jose Quintana, any you know type of top name, if you go out and just improve the bullpen enough that it is now not lackluster, I think that the trade deadline would easily be a success. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that the Blue Jays need a relief pitcher. I don't think that's really up to for debate for anyone, and I think everyone knows what the Blue Jays need, and that's a swing and miss guy, a guy with high velocity, a guy, like you say, who can bridge the gap between the starter and the back end of the bullpen, whether that's Jordan Romano, whether that's Adam Simber, whether that's Tim Meza, David Phelps, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just to give credit to uh, Shoah Lee of Sportsnet, who always uses the term circle of trust in the bullpen, and he's kind of, I think he's the guy who's kind of originated it. Originated it. I don't know if there's other guys at Sportsnet, Jay's Talk, who have used the term a lot, but he's the guy who I attribute it to. Um, the bigger question to me is whether the Blue Jays need a starting pitcher, and I think Tonight's outing by Yusei Kikuchi is going to be a big determinant of that. Um, I think, I mean, whether Yusei Kikuchi performs or not tonight, the Blue Jays are still going to be interested in a starting pitcher, but the degree to which he struggles will determine how urgent the Blue Jays are and in turn how much teams charge for their assets, for their starting pitchers. Because I think if they were mentioning this on the broadcast yesterday, but if Yusei Kikuchi goes out and has a good start, um, I think the Blue Jays, at least appearance-wise, will look less desperate for a starting pitcher because, hey, they got Yusei Kikuchi as their fifth man in there who can perform and came back from the injured list and put up 
whatever it is, five innings and two runs. The Blue Jays aren't as desperate for a starting pitcher. We can't charge as much versus Yusei Kikuchi goes out there, pitches one and two thirds and gives up five earned runs and walks the world and strikes out one. Like that is going to change the perception of what the Blue Jays need. And I think perception is a key word there because I think regardless of what Yusei Kikuchi does tonight, the Blue Jays are interested in a starting pitcher. I think it just changes the urgency of how much they need to pursue one of those guys. So the names in that market are the names that we all know, the Luis Castillos of the world, the you know Pablo Lopez's of the world for Miami. And um, uh, one guy that they have been directly connected to is Jose Quintana. Um, as well as, you know, on the hitter side of things, Ian Happ is one of those guys as well. But I find, just to kind of bounce around here, Ian Happ on the hitter side of things, um, yes, left-handed bat, yes, impact bat, but is he someone the Blue Jays really need? And I guess you can have the same type of conversation with Juan Soto. I think it's a little bit more ridiculous to consider whether the Blue Jays really need Juan Soto because it's Juan Soto. He is one of the best players in baseball, generational talent. We've been over this previously. With Ian Happ, I don't know if the Blue Jays need that type of bat because the offense clearly isn't the problem right now. And I know as a front office, you can multitask, you can split your priorities, but if you're looking for a hierarchy of moves the Blue Jays need to make, I think adding a left-handed bat is third on the list behind reliever and starter. So I find it interesting that the Blue Jays are pursuing that. Um... I don't know if you have thoughts on this, if you're passionate either way, whether the Blue Jays should be expending prospect capital to get someone like that. Um, I wouldn't complain seeing it, certainly. I just think it can't happen in isolation. It has to happen with a move for whether it's Jose Quintana, whether it's Pablo Lopez, whether it's you know any of these guys who are on the, the trade market right now. It has to happen in conjunction with those moves. And I think this is kind of the approach that we've seen from the Blue Jays previously. Like last season, they go out, they get Corey Dickerson at the deadline, but they also get Jose Brios and they also get Adam Simmer and Trevor Richards earlier in the season back at the, you know, towards the end of June and start of July. So um, I expect the Blue Jays to do, you know, have a similar approach to this trade deadline. I just, it, I'm I'm a little curious when I see them connected to a name like Ian Happ because it's not the number one priority to the for the Blue Jays and we haven't yet seen them connected with a reliever or with a front of the line starter beyond Jose Quintana who I think by all accounts is not a front of the line starter. See the thing with Ian Happ is I don't think that this would make sense this season. Now last season. I think last season you had to go out and get an outfielder. You know, you talk about Corey Dickerson. I think they acquired Gerard Dyson towards the end, although he was primarily pinch runner, didn't really play a ton. But last season, you kind of needed it. And Randall Gritchick was a very uh, spotty player, to put it nicely. You know, he'd have stretches of playing very well. He'd have stretches of just abysmal playing time or performance. But you also were missing George Springer for a for actually most of the season, a little bit more than most of the season. And even when he was there, primarily playing at that DH role, this season is a little bit different. I know you still want to be a little bit cautious with him, still get a little nervous every time he swings and falls to his knee, but Springer is healthy, at least looking healthy, looking like he's going to play the rest of the season. Knock on wood, I pray if I say something and something goes wrong, it's not my fault, but it looks like Springer's healthy. I think Raymond Tapia has been very good this season, especially the second half of the season so far. He and Kevin Biggio, even Matt Chapman, really the whole bottom of the order, 
has been fantastic, you know, especially in that Boston series, you know, how do you clear the bases twice in two, in, in like a span of two days, you know, Raymond Tapia has been doing his job. And so I don't, I don't really think that you need to go out and get a fifth outfielder, even if it is a guy like Ian Happ, who is having a good season, you know, his 282 average, I know averages and everything, but you know, not a lot of power there, obviously only nine home runs, but he's a guy, you know, he's driving in runs, 46, obviously, but, and he's getting on base, 366 on base percentage, so it's not terrible. Is it what the team needs? Not really. If it was last season, I would absolutely take it, and I think it was me who was very high on the re-signed Corey Dickerson trade or train. It would have worked out if the Blue Jays, you know, got him. Obviously, he's not having the greatest season, but last season and going into this season, outfield was, to say the least, it was a need of this team. It was a need to improve. Right now, I don't really think it is, and if you go out and get Soto, I'm just going to entertain that for like five seconds. I understand it. He is an outfielder. That makes sense. You go out and get one of the best players in the league. But if your outfield consists of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, and Raymond Tapia, I think that is as good as anybody really in baseball. It, it takes you to where you need to go. And combine that with the front of the line starters that you have. Combine that with some of the front of the line infielders you have. Some of the key guys you have in that bullpen. That's all you really need. So I don't really know if getting another outfielder makes much sense. Obviously, things can happen. Guys can cool off. Injuries can happen. It never never hurts to have depth. But to me, going out and getting Ian Happ isn't really depth. That's more of a guy that you're going to have to play every day or intend to play close to every day. And I just with five outfielders, there's only so many positions. There's only so many games you have. It doesn't really make sense for that. But I think the key need here is a reliever. It's a pitcher, but primarily a reliever. You got to go and get relievers, at least one or two. But it's interesting that you mentioned the Kikuchi thing. Like, if he does have a bad start today, I know the Tigers, just check here real quick. Tigers are not a very good team at all. Um, fourth in the in the Central, 30, 39 and 59. So, yeah, they're saying not a good team is a little bit of an underestimate there. They are a bad team. If you say Kikuchi cannot even pitch well against a bad team, it's it's going to be a little bit difficult or more difficult at least to make uh, to make a move because you, teams are going to say yeah you need a starter what are you going to give us in in return for it and I don't know I have a feeling it's going to be an okay start for Kikuchi I know he, he threw five scoreless I think it was in Buffalo in his rehab start said his he, he claimed that his release point was all over the place before so in this, the first half of the season said he's worked on that We'll see if that translates to major league games. I'm really hoping it does because you also got to remember they signed him for a couple more seasons. So it's not like if this season's bad, ah, whatever, we'll just go and get somebody else or try and eat up the rest of the contract for next season. Like it's not just next season. So Blue Jays are definitely going to need to hope that this game goes well for him. And maybe it goes well and then it's just a blip. Like obviously the Tigers are not good. Maybe he throws well against them it still helps you in the short term because then you're not breaking the bank for a starting pitcher, but it's going to need to be, I'm not saying he has to throw seven scoreless or six scoreless, but he's going to need to at least get outs and not, not have this team be out of the game by the fifth or the sixth inning. And then even for the rest of the series, you know, you're getting pretty much the rest of your rotation. You get Manoa stripling. And then I think on the Sunday game, it's looking like it's going to be Barrios. I'm not really worried about any of them, but even those guys, they're going to need to get a lot better because if, or not better, but they're going to need to continue with what they're doing because if this is 
a rough series, like say you split it with the Tigers or worse, you know, not, we know what this, you know, can unfortunately happen with a four game series, but if it goes worse, then it's going to be even more difficult to go out and acquire somebody because you're playing, I think that Tuesday game after the trade deadline. So whoever's on that field or whoever's on the roster, at least by that point, will be who you're taking to hopefully the playoffs. And if you're just barely clawing your way into that game, it's going to be a little bit interesting how teams say, yeah, we want a higher price for pretty much anybody because we know that you, in theory, could do it, but also based off of what your your previous performances were, need to do it in order to get better. But I have faith that it's going to be better. It's just today I'm going to be very nervous watching you say Kikuchi and nervous in a good way. I want him to do well, but also nervous knowing that if it doesn't go well, if the Tigers hit you hard, it's going to be very difficult to to convince other teams that you don't need to give up so, so much for a starting pitcher, knowing that you kind of do desperately need one. I think I'm going to be nervous in a bad way. Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of That's terrified fair. of what you say Kikuchi is going to do tonight. Um, like, yeah, it's a soft place to land for him because the Blue Jays are playing the Tigers. And just looking at the offensive stats this season, the Tigers are the worst offensive team in baseball this year they are 30th and run scored 320 for reference the blue jays scored 479 runs this season and then an offensive war guess what the detroit tigers are also the last place team they sit at negative 1.2 offensive war they are the only team in major league baseball with a wins above replacement below replacement level and for reference the best team in baseball is new york yankees 23.4 offensive war the blue jays sit at fourth with 18.6 it's a long way down to the detroit tigers so yeah it's a soft place to land for yusei kikuchi but i am still very nervous about what he's going to give up and what he's going to do against detroit because based on what we've seen this season from him he is as unpredictable as ever and i think odds are he probably struggles um, so yeah, I guess before we get to series predictions, what are your, what's your prediction for Yusei Kikuchi's pitching line tonight? I know this is like drawing a lottery ticket. It's really hard to predict, but what do you think? I think, I think five innings is a minimum for him. That's what he threw in Buffalo. I think you're at least going to try and get five out of him, whether that's a good five or a bad five, uh, we'll have to see, but I have a feeling we'll see five innings. Five innings is probably fair. I think, see, runs and everything's hard, but I think he's he's going to give up some runs. He's going to give up some hits. As long as he can throw five innings and at least be in command, like if his release point is all over the place and he's walking four or five batters, then we know, okay, something's not right with him. But if he can at least do five innings, maybe an extra few batters, six innings, something like that, and give up less than four runs, I think you would consider that a success. It, I know it's a bad team. I know that's a little bit a little bit no, optimistic. But, I mean, it's you know, Kikuchi. Yeah, so. it's something to build on at least. So you, so five innings, four runs is your prediction? Mm, I would say three. Anything less than four runs, I five consider innings, a success. Runs. Okay. Uh, I think that's very generous. Um, I don't think Yusei Kikuchi is going five innings. Not only because he's Yusei Kikuchi, but also because... It's his first outing back off the injured list. And I mean, I know he went five in Buffalo, but against major league hitters and potentially not fully built up, I really don't see him 
going five innings. I'm going to say, maybe this is too pessimistic of me, but 2.2 innings, six earned runs. Ooh. I don't think he gets out of the third inning, which I hate to say because I want him to succeed. We're always rooting for these guys. Like we are without a doubt, always wanting Blue Jay players to do well. And even other teams like you root against the teams themselves, but like individual player performances. Yeah. You like to see it in general. There's some guys I hate Alex Verdugo um, (laughs) can be the worst player in the face of the planet, I'll be happy. But um, you say Kikuchi, you want him to do well, but I just see it. 2.2, six earned runs. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I will be. I think five innings for you, say Kikuchi, is incredibly generous. Jeez, that's that's a brutal prediction. I don't want uh... But it's you, say Kikuchi. It, yeah, th- like, see, I'm, the word... I'm not thinking like Kevin Gosman's going to go out there and go 2.2. Like, this is you, say Kikuchi, who's been the worst Blue Jays starter this season by far. See, the worst part is, is as much as I disagree with it, I don't think that it's unrealistic. And that's unfortunate. I think he's going to have a better start. Like, And I mean, you say that it's against major league hitters. Un- no offense to the Detroit Tigers, but half your guys are not really major league it talent. That is true. Like, you're, you're terrible this season. Literally, by the numbers, below replacement level. So, like, you could take the Blue Jays AAA team, and they're probably about the same offensive caliber as the Detroit Tigers are this season. I don't know. Honestly, I'm just looking for something to build on. And if he can give you four or five innings and not just get completely lit up, then even if it's not the greatest game, even if the team does end up losing, you can still consider that something to build on. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something that he can take into his next start. And um, I mean, yeah, just looking at his last, I don't know, seven, eight starts last outing before hitting the injured list went 2.1 innings four runs june 30th six innings which was his longest i think tied for his longest start of the season but yeah like two innings four innings four innings 0.2 innings 4.25 i don't know i'm i'm really not confident in yusei kikuchi and what he may offer the team tonight but we will see um all right series predictions four game set against the detroit tigers we do have bryson's prediction in virtually he said that the blue jays will take three of four against detroit jacob what are your thoughts i want to say sweet but i know unfortunately that's probably not likely and to be fair four game series are are definitely tough to sweep i think three of four is likely you do have most of your best relievers or excuse me best best starters pitching but Unfortunately, I think they're bound to lose one of them. Not sure which one, but you have to take three or four from this one. And taking three or four is not a bad thing. It's just you got to do that. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go three or four as well. So it's a clean sweep in terms of our predictions. Uh, I think they lose Yusei Kikuchi's start and they win every single other one. You mentioned earlier who the probables are. Um, Alec Manoa on the mound on Friday, Saturday, looking like Ross Stripling. And I think you said Jose Barrios for Sunday for the Blue Jays. Um, some interesting broadcast options this weekend as well. Um, Sunday's game is going to be broadcast on Peacock. So that's a 12.05 start. And then Friday night's game is Apple TV plus, which I gotta be honest compared to like YouTube games, the Apple TV games, I really enjoy 
I think they actually do a good job of the broadcasts and um, especially like all the camera angles, all the, I know they have like that percentage in the corner of odds of whatever happening, even though in some t- cases the odds seem outrageous. Um, yeah, I mean, I find Apple TV games good. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to four games against hopefully an easy team to beat. We're starting to see the Blue Jays um, difficulty is schedule even out a little bit and they get a couple nice places to play nice teams to play soft places to land and just before we wrap up should mention that we are recording this podcast around 11 a.m thursday morning so it's just before the blue jays announce their stadium renovations which is unfortunate we couldn't talk about it on this podcast but we're looking forward to whatever the blue jays announce whether it is asymmetrical outfield walls you know redone lower bowl elevated bullpens Um, We're expecting a lot and we're looking forward to that, of course. And then the other thing to mention that um, Buck Martinez is back in the broadcast booth. We saw him return Tuesday. Um, Quite the game for him to come back in. 10-3 win for the Blue Jays, which, I mean, we didn't really talk about much on this podcast. We were talking about the bad stuff, but uh, quite the game for the Blue Jays, George Springer, Grand Slam. And of course, Buck Martinez being back is always a bonus. It was great to hear his voice in the broadcast booth, and I don't think there was a single dry eye in the Rogers Center when there was that you know kind of standing ovation recognition for Buck Martinez. So just wanted to mention those two things. We will wrap it up there. Hopefully we have Bryson with us for next Sunday after the Detroit series. And then, of course, we are going to be on notice for any potential emergency podcasts that may come your way if the Blue Jays make any last-minute trades or big deals. And I think the way it lines up, we're going to have an episode probably Monday or Tuesday recapping the trade deadline and catching up with everything the Blue Jays are doing. So, with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode. We will catch you next time. I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't want to do your dirty work no more.